When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Deck maintenance isn't fun. Move the furniture and barbecue, sand and prep, paint, seal, or get a low-maintenance Trex deck. The only colour fade you'll have to deal with is watching the sunset. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Andrew Gordy with us this morning, as uh, usually is on a Wednesday morning, and I'm pleased to say that he is joined by Suzanne McFadden. And Suzanne, of course, is the sports editor of the wonderfully successful Locker Room. And uh, well, well, we've got some uh, really fresh off the fresh off the press news, really, to talk about this morning. Uh, Susan McFadden, I, I, Suzanne McFadden, I can start with you. And that, of course, is uh, we're going to have to live without Trent Bolt in the Test team for New Zealand from uh, now on. Uh, and we're going to have limited use of Trent Bolt at all. So what do you make of this decision? Um, I applaud him, actually. I think um, he's obviously made the decision on um, personal grounds, wanting to spend more time with his wife and three boys. And, you know, he's, as you know better than anyone, he's been on the road for more than a decade. And... I, I just think it's great that he wants to spend more time at home and just kind of let his cricket career maybe kind of peter out on his terms. It's an interesting but that's one. that's me as a mum so, talking. Yes, I was going to say, Suzanne, <laughs> and, that, and that's, that is a consideration, Suzanne, which is becoming more and more of an issue. I mean, in the days gone by, you know, just the thought, well, he's a black cap, he's an all-black, he just plays rugby, he just plays cricket, and, you know, everything else becomes secondary. Not so anymore, Suzanne. No, and I think the pressures on those athletes are a lot different than probably they were, you know, 30 years ago. So they're, they're on call all the time. And, um, you know, he's had an incredible career, eh, over a long time. And we will miss him. But I, I guess, do I, I don't really know how available he will be now. Well, my understanding is that uh, he won't play test cricket again. Uh, so, uh, you know, and that's yeah. where he's been ultra successful for New Zealand. He'll play um, primarily, um, the way I read it, is he'll play domestic league c- cricket around the world, and that is your IPLs, your, uh, you know, your, uh, your cricket in England, uh, maybe a bit of Big Bash in Australia as opposed to playing the Super Smash here. The big money ones, as simple as that, Suzanne. And so you cash in at the end of, yeah. of your career. Gordon, that's the way, Andrew Gordia, that's the way I, I tend to read it at this point. Uh, what were your initial reactions uh, to this decision? Morning, Smitty. Morning, Suzanne. Morning to all the listeners. Um, yeah, that's a really good question, actually. Sad on one hand, but like Suzanne has said, um, please for Trent. Um, because, well, on a couple of counts, he's earned this. I think he has given sensational commitment to New Zealand, to the Black Caps, to New Zealand cricket. 
um, for a long time now, and he has been he has been a fine servant. So absolutely no one, no one can question him on that. And you know, if he's earned the right, I think at this point in his career, he's 33 years old, um, to probably prioritise other things in his life. N- number one, his family, and yet two, probably earning earning some decent money um, to round out his career. But I think it's you, you can't uh, take this announcement and ignore the fact that over the last couple of years during this COVID period, touring has been really tough. Like touring is tough anyway, but touring over the last couple of years has been exponentially harder than what it normally is. And I know for a fact uh, that Trent has found that particularly hard. Um, I think he's found it tough mentally. He's a guy that needs to get out. You know, you, you only have to have a look at his Instagram account to know that he's a guy that loves uh, running up Mount Monganui. He loves he loves getting out and about. He loves being at the beach. Um, he needs that outdoor space. So I, I think it has been tough on him mentally, and therefore he would have found it very tough being away from his family. And he's got three young boys. And, and like you say, Suzanne, speaking as a mum, I know, speaking as a dad, I would find that extraordinarily hard. Uh, being away from my two young boys if I was away from uh, from home as, as long as Trent was. Um, so I, I understand the decision. Um, but, yeah, look, if I'm just looking at it purely from a New Zealand cricket point of view, it's, it is it is a, it is a tinged with sadness, I think, because, as you've touched on already this morning, his, his partnership with Tim Southey has been absolutely incredible, and it is sad to know that, particularly in the test arena, that has almost certainly come to an end now. And I suppose there's broader concerns as well about New Zealand cricket and the Black Caps team. I think we've already seen um, over the last 12 months that the, the Test team in particular is, is not what it was. They're not the team that won the World Test Championship not so long ago. You know, they lost BJ Watling, they lost Ross Taylor. Now they've lost Trent Bolt. And, um, yeah, that should, that's a concerning time going forward. But, but just talking about Trent Bolt himself, um, I, I can't begrudge him this decision at all. Okay, that's good, um, and I don't either, And but I do acknowledge that he still was our best bowler in the recent losing series to mm. uh, England. Uh, day in, day out, he still was our best operator, and um, I think he'll go down as uh, perhaps our second greatest uh, goods, uh, uh, second greatest uh, bowler in our history, quick bowler anyway. Yeah, look, I mean, <laughs> it's almost... <laughs> I mean, Sir Richard obviously is... is you know, still stands head and shoulders. Um, but yeah, Bolt and Southey, you kind of you can't mention one without the other in a way. And and I and I do yeah. sort of wonder about what this means for Tim Southey as well. I know he would have had legitimate um, claims to go after Sir Richard's wicket taking record at the very least. And I wonder how much Trent's absence now will impact on his um, ambitions. I suppose to to go after that record. Um, yeah, I'm sure Tim Southey probably more than anyone else is feeling this uh, this morning. Suzanne McFadden, uh, massive news on the tennis front uh, and the same theme, really. Uh, Serena Williams is talking retirement at the end of this uh, US Open. Uh, basically, I heard a clip of her saying that uh, she's seen the light and the light is freedom, freedom from tennis, freedom <laughs> from um, that kind of life, which is quite deep and meaningful, really. Where does Serena Williams and her career sit for you? Because has not been without controversy. No, and I think that that makes her career even better. <laughs> you know, she she leaves an incredible legacy when she leaves tennis. 
and she's done so much for the sport. Again, you know, as a mum, as a professional tennis playing mother, she's she's kind of leading the way in that. And also for black female athletes, you know, the thousands of young black girls who've picked up tennis rackets after watching Serena and Venus. Um, you know, what a, what a difference that's going to make to the face of the sport as well. Um, you know, she's always been colourful. Um, she's never afraid to say it as she sees it. Um, you know, she, she had the American tennis um, fraternity, I guess, um, alarmed at, you know, the beads in her hair, the cat suit, the tutu she used to wear. And, um, but she made, to me, she made tennis more colourful, more alive. And I think we've been um, lucky to, well, you know, lucky to see her in my lifetime. I think she's definitely a goat. Greatest women tennis player of all time in, in your eyes. Uh, is she better than Martina Navratilova? Is she better than Steffi Graf, Suzanne? I always struggle with the comparisons thing, um, but and it's really hard because you know very different eras. But um, in my mind, Serena sticks out. She will she will be number one for me. Okay, cool. Um, and for you, uh, Gordia, she's played the villain a lot. Let's be fair. The um, uh, the the, um, the problem that she had uh, at the end of one of the tournaments when she lost uh, a Grand Slam and, and with to surprise to mm. Naomi Osaka and then of course uh, stole a limelight off her with her attitude etc I mean there have been ugly incidents so where does she sit for you Serena? Yeah look I mean y- yes I, I know I know what you're saying Smithy um, she, she hasn't exactly um, she hasn't been a model uh, player for, for her entire career she has had moments where yeah she's She's let um, her temper, I suppose, get, get the better of her, and that was obviously the, the standout example. But I, I'm not going to begrudge her that. And if we're talking about whether we put her ahead of the likes of Steffi Graf, Martina Navratilova, I think I think you, you could argue till you blew in the face over who was the best player, but unequivocally, she did more for the game of tennis and more for women's tennis than, than either of those players. I mean, she is a legitimate game changer. She's a trailblazer for the sport. Um, and just in terms of, the, I suppose, the marketing of the sport, um, bringing it to a, to a new audience and getting, getting more fans interested in women's tennis in particular, I think she, um, she deserves to go down as, you know, you, you'd put her in the same breath as, as people like Tiger Woods, I think, in terms of what they did for their sport. Um, she absolutely has had a, a greater impact, I think, than any other player that's gone before, and, and she should be remembered as such. I think she will be at the at Flushing Meadow. I think they'll, they'll do a great tribute to her, and uh, I'm not sure she's uh, going to go too far in, in the competition. It might even be a first-round exit, but it'll be a glamorous one. You can bet your bottom dollar on that, and that is a reflection <laughs> of how the Americans in particular uh, feel about what uh, Serena Williams has done for tennis and for their country as a such. Uh, uh, I think Gord's uh, might be time for a just a general report card on the uh, Commonwealth Games. How do you feel? Well, it was brilliant, wasn't it? Um, you know, and uh, in terms of winning gold medals, our greatest ever. We had the greatest individual performance from an athlete ever. Aaron Gate four gold medals. Like what? That is an absolutely ridiculous uh, performance competing in five events, and he just about medaled in the other one as well. 
that's absolutely incredible. Uh, winning more gold medals than any other colour of medal uh, is also an enormous achievement. Um, I think it's a, a phenomenal success, and I think you can look across the board at several sports. Um, you know, gee whiz, cycling New Zealand. I mean, they have, and I, and I know I've already touched on this on the show before, I don't think we can um, take success at these Commonwealth Games as a sign that all is necessarily well with cycling New Zealand. I mean, that with, you know, the issues that have been plaguing cycling New Zealand and, and previous uh, months and years have been completely separate, really, from performance. It's, you know, been about whether they're looking after their athletes um, as, a, as a whole, I suppose, from a more holistic point of view. But, look, performance on the track, you can't argue with it. They were the most successful nation uh, at, these, uh, at these Commonwealth Games, you know, better than, better than Australia, better than, than England, and that's, that's really saying something. Uh, Lewis Clairbert, um, his performances, again, a sport like swimming, which has, has really struggled uh, in recent times. He is, he is emerging as a, as a potential star for New Zealand there. So, yeah, and this, look, there's performances right across the board that you can point to and, and say that, yeah, this was a, a fantastic Commonwealth Games, and I think, uh, yeah, most New Zealanders will reflect on it as such. And uh, for your thoughts, uh, Suzanne McFadden, it's been around 12 months, I think, uh, just coming up since the uh, unfortunate passing of... Um, Olivia Podmore, of course, uh, rocked the nation, rocked cycling, rocked everything around uh, the place. And I, I know uh, as a journalist you had opinions uh, around that. Um, Andrew just hinting there that perhaps um, performance on the track doesn't mean everything's rosy. And a stark reminder that uh, success doesn't mean uh, happiness all around the joint, does it? No, you're exactly right. Yeah, um, Andrew put it really well for the And I think, yeah, it was... Um, the anniversary of Olivia Podmore's death yesterday, and that you know that's also going to be hard on those cyclists returning home tomorrow. Um, you know that that is always with them. Um, that her tragic death stays with them. But the thing I was really impressed with, and um, like Andrew said, was the way that the cyclists just put their heads down, put their bums up, and did their job. And I think that's been their attitude. Um, in the last 12 months is that, you know, they will continue to do what they do well. And, my God, they did well. I just, I, I'm still mm. blown away by that cycling team performance. Um, athletics, too, I was impressed with um, them. One of my favourite memories of the Games comes from there, and that's um, the battle between um, Tom Walsh and Jack O'Gill, and how cool was it to see Jack O lift his game um, finally, as a senior athlete, and um, I think the team sport struggled, and I still have this feeling of I'm not sure that team sports should be in the Commonwealth Games. I mean, I, I think that in the, in the four years between, and then I see them play, and I go, this is cool. I can watch cricket on this channel, netball on this channel, and the bowls on this channel all at the same time. That's ridiculous. Um, but, yeah, I do think that the COVID lockdowns may have affected the performance of our teams. I think, you know, we were in isolation from the rest of the world for for longer than most countries. And just rebuilding that unity and those connections, you know, you saw it in the Silver Ferns. It took them until the bronze medal game for them really to find their top seven and play that top seven yeah. for the whole game. So... Yeah, I think it's been really, really interesting games. And I wasn't sure about them before they started. I was kind of like, you know, do we need these? 
and then you watch it and you go, oh, this is so good. So I, I really enjoyed it, <laughs> even with the time difference. It was tough. I'm, I need a week off now. I'm taking a week off now just to catch up on sleep. But um, I did enjoy it, and I think it was great for New Zealand sport. Yeah, and I'm old school, and I think it should stay, and I look forward to the next one even now because I know where it's not... Uh, Matching some of those Commonwealth victories are not the same as Olympic victories because those other athletes are not eligible as such. But still, I, I love to see New Zealanders doing well and New Zealanders with uh, medals and smiles on their faces. And uh, Suzanne, you've mentioned it before. Talk about uh, sticking your bum up and your head down and getting stuck in. Um, I imagine that is what uh, Ian Foster has been trying to tell us all black forwards. Never before in my lifetime anyway, Suzanne, have the... The All Blacks as a unit and as a coaching unit been more vilified to the point where someone has actually put a $50,000 bet on the Springboks. <laughs> a New Zealander has put a 50k bet on the Springboks to beat the All Blacks. That's where we're at with, this, with the All Blacks. Where are you at with them? Um, well, I have to admit, first of all, Smithy, that I didn't watch the game on, because I was so in, involved in watching Commonwealth games. But I did hear my son... He is making a lot of groaning noises. Um, I, I, from what I've seen of these guys, I just they seem to be, most of them, lacking passion. And, and now I think they've lost a lot of self-belief. And, um, you know, I think maybe um, they need to get Dame Knowles and Ben Sawyer on the bench, on the coaching bench for a little while um, <laughs> because they, you know, managed to turn around, you know, their the, the White Ferns and the Silver Ferns, after really heavy losses to England, both came out and absolutely murdered it in the in the bronze medal game. So I just think that maybe it, you know maybe it comes down to a holistic thing now. Maybe it's about rebuilding their self belief and yeah, I, I don't know. I wouldn't want to like to be an All Black or an All Black coach right now. No, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't either. Um, it's something I always wanted to be, but all of a sudden, don't. Um, Andrew Gordy, uh, <laughs> what's your take? On, you, you follow these guys, you, you know, uh, the rugby side of things. Have we ever ha been at a lower ebb in your memory in terms of perspective, um, looking in from the outside? So it, it's honestly, it's deeply concerning, and it, like you know, the, and and. I think people shouldn't lose sight of the fact. We were actually talking about this in the office just the other day. This is, for the first time in 25 years, it's been 25 years since the All Blacks were in anything like this kind of position. This is, this is such a, a freak thing to be happening in New Zealand rugby at the moment. And, and in, a, in a weird sort of way, I don't want it, fascinating is not the right word, but it is, it is intriguing. Intriguing is, is probably the word for it. Because it's so confounding. What is what on earth is going on here? How has it got to this point? We know that these players are, are good players, but if, and, and I know Suzanne, you, you say you didn't watch the game. You almost didn't really need to in a way because you just know that these guys are, are so devoid of confidence at the moment. Um, it's like they're playing together for the first time, and Smithy, uh, like, I, I know you are, you would have watched the game, and I have I. We've watched many, many, many battles between the All Blacks and the Springboks over the years, and we, we always know they're going to be a physical battle. But my goodness, I have never seen the All Blacks so utterly dominated up front like they were um, in, in Bombella on, on the weekend. They were just not at the races when it came to the scrum, the line-out even, um, the, the, the 
the you know the the rucks, um, geez, the the turnovers that the Springboks were able to execute was just astounding, really. And look, you know, someone's obviously someone with a lot of money in their pocket, fifty thousand dollars, has gone and put it on the Springboks. I dare I say it, that's a pretty safe bet based on what we saw last weekend. I mean, it is impossible, really, to think that the All Blacks have have enough in their locker, either, whether it be that same squad of, of 23 or whether Ian Foster's going to be bold enough, I suppose, to make the sorts of changes. It's hard to see that they've got the players and the game plan who are going to be able to turn around that sort of performance in, in, in a week's time. Um, so they are really up against it. And look, I'm going to be absolutely fascinated to see what sort of squad Ian Foster picks for this game at Ellis Park, because I think it'll be really telling. Because he must know that the squad, if he sticks with the same same players in the same squad, he, he's going to get the same result. There's no, no question mm. about it. And then I suppose it's relative to what does he think is coming? Because all the, all, everything we're reading and seeing and hearing is that he has to win this game to have any chance of saving his, his all that coaching career. So with that in mind, if he, if he believes that, he has to roll the dice here. He has to make some meaningful changes. And I'm not talking about one or two. He's going to have to make some really meaningful changes to, to try and get a different result. But if he, if he truly believes, like what he said, that it was their best performance of the year and they're making genuine progress and he sticks with that same bunch of players, if they get the same result, I'm, I'm afraid the writing's on the wall. And, and it is going to be impossible, I think, to defend his, uh, his position as All Blacks coach that he should that he should continue in the role. So it is, yeah, it's going to be a fascinating few days coming up, um, certainly in, in terms of the, the coaching career of Ian Foster and, and for the All Blacks as well, because, boy, they are at a low ebb. They sure are. They sure are. Uh, Suzanne McFadden, Andrew Gordy, thank you so much for your time on the panel this morning. Hope you have a terrific re- remainder of the day. and uh, We'll have another panel uh, same time tomorrow morning. In fact, it might be a bit earlier. We'll see. Deck maintenance isn't fun. Move the furniture and barbecue, sand and prep, paint, seal, or get a low-maintenance Trex deck. The only colour fade you'll have to deal with is watching the sunset. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.